Okay. Uh, well, welcome to the show. Uh, today I'm here with Thomas Leager. Did I get that name, last name right, Tom? Yeah, that's that's correct. That's Leager? That's correct. Okay. Uh, yep. Is it Thomas? Do you prefer Thomas or Tom? Uh, Thomas or Thomas is fine. Most people call me Thomas if they just meet me, and then most of the people that know me for a while start calling me Tom. Sure. I don't know what it is, but it just it almost happens organically. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if you're comfortable with Tom, I'll probably slip it in there once in a while. Um, yeah, that's fine. That's no problem. <laughs> so, Tom, how would you describe yourself? You're you're a political activist for sure. Um, yeah, how would you... I would... Go ahead. Well, I mean, a political activist, you, you have a website, you have a YouTube page. Um, uh, I've seen you at, I like to frequent uh, political rallies and like our, you know, large gatherings at the Capitol. I'm kind of a nerd just for that kind of stuff. And I've seen you out there quite a bit. Um, and yeah, you, you've been heavily involved in the, the whole uh, ending the stay at home order in Wisconsin. Um, yeah. And I was interested in getting uh, your perspective on a lot of different stuff. Um, I'm interested, uh, I mean, I think we should start off like, who are you, Tom? Okay. I could, okay. So I'm a constitutionalist. That's my main, like, that's my, I think that would be my core thing is that I really believe in the constitutional principles and, and not even just the constitution, but the, the, the principles that go behind that. Sure. You know, as far as the Magna Carta, the Mayflower Compact, the the uh, political thought behind, you know, Locke and Montesquieu and for some part Rousseau and like understanding self-government and individual rights and how those individual rights are maintained against um, government authorities and such. Um, so that's kind of like my main thing is that I just really love freedom a lot and liberty and I don't want to see that go anywhere but i mean at least i i don't want to see it further infringed and i and i'd like to see a movement of smaller government rather than larger government government i mean if i guess if i had to describe myself i might be a minarchist what's that minarch i don't think i've ever Uh, heard that before minarchism is like kind of like constitutional uh constitutionalist but it mean it's Maybe they're for very, very minimal government. So they're not anarchists, but they're not federalist or they're not, uh, you know, they, they don't, they want government to be as simple, straightforward, um, and, and basic as possible. So government does as little as is necessary to maintain, um, people not, you know, completely going bonkers and, you know, killing each other because humans have um, a tendency to do things that aren't very good for each other. So, Sure. Um, so, I, I mean, well, I guess we, to sum it up, yeah. uh, you're uh, really invested in making sure that government is as small as possible. Yes, because I just don't think it does things well. And I also don't like I don't like bureaucracies and I don't like how corporations have vetted the government and and the government's kind of like been picking the winners and losers and such. It's just, I just don't agree with a lot of what the, I don't agree with the trend of government at this point, I guess, even under Donald Trump. Sure. So it sounds like you're kind of on the verge of an anarchist almost. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, like, I'm on the, I'm, I'm like right on the cut, but not. I just know that if we go to, I just, well, I know in in a personal way, like I feel that if we go to anarchy, it's just going to lead us right back around to a form of tyranny or a form of people being um, not free or being um, just not a good society. I feel like it was. In my mind, when I when I hear of anarchy, I think, okay, so then everybody does what they want, especially anarcho-capitalism or communism, I really think would lead to the same thing, is that there would be this consolidation of power by those who can accumulate force, and force being the ultimate uh, decider of government. It's who, whoever can exercise force on the biggest amount of people is going to have the most control. So I feel like we wrap right around back into a monarchy or oligarchy or um, some form of like warlords and then those warlords fight and then they gain power and then we're back kind of where we started in um, like a monarchical society or a, a, a tyrannical society for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, okay. That's my view. Sure. Well, so I, I understand what you believe in, um, but like uh, would you consider yourself like a political pundit or like a blogger or... How would you just, dis- <laughs> you're not sure. I'm not, I don't, yeah, I just, uh, I'm just uh, kind of a loud, obnoxious rabble rouser, I guess. I don't know. I, I do, I, I consider myself a lot of things. I, I mean, activist, I guess, would be the best word for me, political activist. Sure, yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's a thing. There's people. Uh, yeah, I do a lot of different parts like I do I, I do some investigative journalism into certain things I do some podcasting and interviews I do I do a little bit of everything like jack of all trades master of none type thing but I guess my niche is kind of falling in organizing events sure uh, for political action and I mean how did you how did you start doing that just were interested in and met the right people uh I just started reaching out to folks. So there was a rally by a group that was, well, I think they're, I don't know if they're still called this or, or not, but they were called the National Consti- Constitutional Coalition of Patriotic Americans, the NCCPA, I believe that it was. The National Constitutional Coalition of Patriotic Americans. Yep. And so they <laughs> were doing a national, a nationwide 2A event. Is that like a lobby um, group? Yeah. No, I think they're a 501C. Um, But I don't know. I I haven't heard much from them for a while, so I cannot definitively um, say if they're around still. But that's how I got my start is I reached out to the the main organizer of that. Yeah. And then I, uh, I said, you know, I'm in Wisconsin. I'd like to help. Just, you know, regular Joe Schmo. And uh, I ended up there was no organizer for Wisconsin. So I, I kind of just threw myself into the position, not really knowing what I had gotten myself into um, and just started doing it and just started reaching out to people. And the event I thought was fairly okay. Uh, there was an open mic situation, which did not turn out great. You mean um, for the first it. event you did or for, or? yeah, for the first event I did for the NCCPA. Okay. There was an open like situation because of timing because I, I was the first thing I'd ever organized so I didn't really have timing down as much as I should have and so there was some blank space that ended up getting filled in by my silly idea of 
just opening the mic up to anybody that wanted to talk. Yeah, it's usually uh, not the best idea like, when you're trying to yeah, organize something. Yeah. yeah. So, in hindsight, it is what it is. Um, so, I've been kind of working against that reputation since the beginning. Sure. What was that about? Um, I was just, it was just for the Second Amendment. It was just to advocate the Second Amendment. Um, and I think it did that okay, but there were some people that jumped on the mic and said some things that I didn't think were. That turned off a lot of people to that organization in Wisconsin. Sure. And so um, I stayed involved. I stayed, you know, chugging along. I did some small events that had, you know, minuscule turnouts. And then I had some ones that had better turnouts. Um, and then I, I worked myself up to here where we had, uh, I think it was about a 5,000 person, 6,000 person turnout. Really? Something like that. Somewhere somewhere between 4,500 and six. All the papers reported it was like fifteen hundred. I think. Uh, yeah, that's not true. Uh, I, I saw. I I was at work uh, during it. I I kind of wanted to go to take pictures, um, just because that's sort of what I I like to do. I like to go take pictures of like political rallies and things like that. Um, but uh, so, do you have a day job? Uh yeah, I work. At, I'm a cook. Oh, you're a cook. I can't say where I work. No, I, you don't because, have to. I'm not. Yeah. But uh, I'm a I'm a cook or a chef or whatever. I mean, I think chef is a stretch. I can sure. cook. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, a, a I'm not as cook. good as some. Sure. Um, so has this whole thing been hitting you pretty hard? Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, well, I work, I cook for a medical establishment. That has is rather. I mean, it's not like regular hospital food type stuff. So we have like an upscale, uh, you know, uh, clientele. I guess it's so. Like a nice we kind of have more of an upscale system. Yeah, That's and cool. so I, the thing that really affected me is seeing people like really scared and like people that were you know above me kind of scared and. And not really knowing what to do because it was like really, it happened really fast. And just like how quickly people adhered immediately to, to things they otherwise wouldn't adhere to um, made me really, made me really grossed out, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't like, I didn't like seeing how easily it was like, okay, I'm, you're scared and now you're willing to do anything and everything that an authority says because you believe something is going to, you know, whatever, harm you. And I'm not, I'm not debating that the, the virus doesn't, I'm not saying that the virus doesn't exist. I'm just, I'm just saying regardless of if a virus exists, I mean, the, the basic, I guess, like ground floor level of, of my thoughts on it are that even if the virus was as deadly as they had predicted or deadlier, if we give over the ability for the government to essentially lock us in our homes and do things that are essentially completely against the scientific method or against what, what, what established practices, which is to quarantine the sick and quarantine the at risk and allow sure. the healthy and, and able body to go about their business. I mean, seeing how that was all put down. I want to say, or to sort of, it, it's, I mean, it's, Pretty, I don't think you need science to uh, sort of say that 
if you have a virus that's transmitted from person to person, the best way to stop it from pers- uh, transmitting at high volume is to make sure everyone stays away from each other. But yes, it yeah, is against common practice, uh, at least on a mass scale. There's definitely been quarantines in America before in the past. Yeah, but not. I'm just saying on a mass scale, on a mass level, um, and and I think I think it's really counterproductive because you you quarantine the sick with the healthy, and as we saw in Lombardy and we saw see in New York especially too, these are high. Um, well, Italy is one of the oldest population in oldest populations in Europe, um, and Lombardy especially so. And they have lots of intergenerational homes. So you have kids that are going out to their maybe health worker jobs or, you know, just going out to get food and stuff. And then bringing, they're coming back to their elderly parents or elderly grandparents because they're intergenerational homes. And they're actually being quarantined at, and essentially could make things worse. So I think that's where we see the spike in, in those regions. And New York City, same thing. Is I think there's a lot more intergenerational homes there um, because there's a lot more... Uh, there's a there's a bigger population of people in sure. a centralized area where they have to you know so kind of compete. For, essentially, what you're trying more. to what you're trying to say is that there are parts of the world where uh, a mass quarantine could have negative effects on the combat of the disease. Is that essentially yeah. kind of what you're trying to say? Yeah. Yeah, and um, also that. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sure, and, and you know, I don't, I don't think that. I guess I just get a little bit, I don't like when people compare like small countries to America um, or like a single European country to uh, like, it would be, it's usually better to, although this is really not even to any point whatsoever. I'm not really even arguing against you on that. Um, but I'm just trying to say that like, it's more fair to compare like the European union to America than like Spain to America or France to America. Um, but yeah, I mean there, yeah, there are certain places in the world where a quarantine would have negative effects. Um, but I think for the most part in America, we don't have a lot of intergenerational families. So like, uh, it, not as many in certain places. Right. I would say that on a mass scale, probably not. Sure. And well, and I think it goes to a point even that, like, here's my problem. And, and here's sort of where I feel uneasy about the whole situation is that I think that the virus is very real. Um, and, and, and we can just, you know, one thing is that nobody seems to know what's going on literally yeah like it's pretty open that the world health organization is very confused the cdc is very confused like there's no concrete data on anything now they're definitely all working on this stuff but for sure it's like we're not sure uh and then we can look at china um which kind of freaks me out more than anything because china has had an incredibly authoritative reaction to this whole situation, which is very China-esque. It's a very big thing for them to do. Uh, And the only thing that worries me is that China, they just locked down their second city. Uh, It's got 10 million people in it and put them on quarantine. 
And the thing is, is that China doesn't give a fuck about their people. Like they've shown time and time and time again that they will harm the citizens of their country for economic gain. Like that's why China, it's so cheap in China. That's why labor is so cheap there because they don't pay people very much. And yeah, and there's certain uh, practices like I think it's still legal to, to, there was a big issue with people in China were scooping oil out of the sewers in, in like small hole in the wall restaurants and using that as grease for their food. And it was, it's crazy, but there was no law against it. Like China is very like America in the set, like very early America where we just started putting stuff together. What? What and what worries me is they're having such a huge authoritarian response to this. So they're taking it very seriously. So and but the thing is, is like they're under famine from they just got hit by a locust swarm, like one of the biggest ones that we've seen in twenty or thirty years. They uh, they had to kill mass amounts of chickens. And I, I think a lot of people think that they're going to start going into the South China Sea to reclaim that land because they're in such dire situations, which is potentially going to f- push us into war. Um, but I, that's my whole thing is like, if nobody knows what's going on and we can look over to China who is freaking out about it, I think we should be trying to take it as seriously as we can while still... And recognizing I, I think, oh yeah go for it i think the freak out i think the freak out in china, and this is just this is just the way i view it. i think the freak out in china is that they're also worried that everybody in the world is going to look at them and say you did this somehow or whatever you did this because there's a lot of information out there where they were doing and they've admittedly said that they did research on uh bat viruses that were then trans uh transferred to because the, the way weaponized virus research works is they're if if they're going to do a, if they're going to do uh, research on a virus that affects a genome completely uh, of, uh, divorced from the human genome, they have to, they will use an intermediary animal like a pig or something that'll that is able to kind of contract the virus interspecies wise so that they have so they have a way to harvest it and then use it for weaponized virus research. They've admitted that they got a $3.7 million grant from the NIH under Dr. Anthony Fauci and that Anthony Fauci was under the Obama administration told to cease and desist all research into bat viruses and, uh, and, and you know, corona-style viruses that could be transferred um, person-to-person like that, like in the... Uh, uh, in an aerosolized, in you know, in our cost, in, in an airborne way, he was supposed to stop that research. It somehow was not stop. He didn't stop it. He outsourced it with three point seven million dollars, and we found that 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 money has still been going to them up until I believe twenty nineteen, maybe even until twenty twenty, because I know Newsweek just came out with this thing today, where they're talking about Anthony Fauci and his NIH and the weaponized virus research. So, and I get why people are scared because if it is a weaponized virus, that makes it scary. We have to also understand that humans are I'm not, very, very prone to overestimate their own abilities. Sure. Um, I'm not entirely things. convinced that it's a, is a, a bioweapon. 
I think the most likely conspiracy theory is that it was they ha- they had created it in order to do vaccine research because if yeah. you're going to create a vaccine you need to have some of the thing you're trying to kill on hand in order to test to see how successful that vaccine is. I would um, think the same thing. I I tend to think the same thing that it may may have been a weakened uh version of the virus. But I'm not I can't put past the fact that Hong Kong protests and, and all these other protests that were going on. I mean, even even in just Wuhan, I believe they were protesting the air quality. They can't even, I mean, they have to wear masks not because of the virus, but because they can't breathe the air. Yeah. So all these things have disappeared, and it just seems too opportune, too, too convenient um, for this all to be, you know, just something, oh, oops, this happened, and now all everything we needed uh, to stop has, has ceased and desisted, and now the whole world is under lockdown. Um, I hate to, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't say that that for sure is their motive, but it is definitely worth it. I think it seems a like lot a of shitty plan. <laughs> it seems like a shitty plan to release a virus on your own soil. Like it just, it is a shitty plan. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, and maybe, maybe it didn't, maybe, maybe it was an accident and then they were just, they just said, okay, well now that it's released, we might as well just, you know, go full authoritarian. Well, China's been going full authoritarian for the last for a long time. For, for the last like hundred years. I mean, they don't. Yeah. They don't fuck around in China. They like, you say the wrong thing about the government on the internet, and you go to a work camp for the rest of your life. It's like, yep. yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I mean, and okay, yeah. so I guess we can. Uh, let's talk about the the protest. I'm surprised okay. that we got this far in half an hour. Um, or we were able to get that much out of half an hour. But um, so explain to me, um, like, how did you get involved in the whole thing? Uh, I started, or so it essentially was a couple of organizers. It was me, Madison, and uh, this guy named Michael. And I would give you guys the last name. You guys probably, I mean, uh, Mike, Madison, uh, Maria, and, and Michael Hapada, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think their names are already out there, so it doesn't really matter. Through like Facebook, um, yeah, through Facebook, we each were we each separately were trying to organize, and then there were a couple other people that were trying to organize. So what happened was I contacted Madison, and then another person, like uh, another person, contacted me, and so it all kind of just uh, snowballed into where we just combined efforts and got really big really quick. Sure. So this is um, kind of a thing that the three of you were sort of trying to put together on your own, and you noticed that. Yeah, each were... of us were trying to do it. Yeah. Sure. Each of us were trying to do a separate one. And then we, I just was like, okay, I've seen, I, I had seen a post from Madison saying she was trying to do it, so I just reached out, and I was like, you know, well, why do it separately? Why not just combine efforts? Um, and, and, you know, if we're, if we're working towards the same thing, even if, you know, maybe we vary on this or we vary on that idea, if we can intersect at civil liberties. Sure. Um, like this is one yeah, thing you guys just, have in common. Yeah. It's, it's, it's common ground that we, cause the, the, the event was actually fairly bipartisan and really, I mean, there were a couple, there were a couple people bringing Trump banners and stuff like that and being, you know, but that, that is what it is, but they're. Compared to other things I've done, I've never seen a more mixed bag of political sure. um, ideas. It's interesting. Even though that the Trump people might have been pretty loud. Yeah. Um, 
Um, before I started recording, we were talking about, uh, so I like to walk around town right now during the quarantine and just talk to cashiers at the stores as kind of like my social interaction with people. And the one thing that I've noticed everybody saying, and it's so interesting to watch their cognitive dissonance where they'll on one breath, they'll say, um, yeah, I really feel for the people who are out of work and who can't, uh, you know, can't go out and feed their families. And that's a really horrible situation. But then in the same breath, they'll say, but then also I'm sure a lot of those people are like, are MAGA people like full, I don't care, Trump, I want to get a haircut kind of people. So it's really interesting to sort of see them process the the reality of the situation, but they always cling on to the Trump haircut people as the reason why they don't like them. And I think that's just because it's hard to, because I think there's like a, a domino effect when if you release if there and a lot of people there's like one keystone idea that keeps them separated from others and if that keystone idea is taken away then they have to fully reevaluate the structure of their political understanding and social understanding and such and so they just kind of cling to it and it happens on the trump side too you know what i mean it's it's not uncommon i just see i, I see more and i and if not I, maybe it's because I just interact more with the conservative side of things. I see a lot more old school Democrats and conservatives getting together. And then there's these fringe uh, on the left and there's fringe on the right. But like in the middle, there's this conglomeration of common sense where it's just like, okay, we don't like anything on either, you know, that's happening at all. And we want to get together for some common sense goals, like sovereignty, you know, or, you know, I see like the old school Democrats and, and the, um, constitutional is getting a lot along a lot better, and conservatives get, and, and and mostly the old school Democrats. The progressives really don't like us, um, and they do have that idea that we're all just we just want a haircut. I can assure them that it's not just a haircut. I uh, one of the people that organized the event with us, Madison, had, I think she had a neighbor who lost everything and committed suicide. Um, so so what it's does not she just do? a haircut. Is she just like an organizer uh, too? She's, yeah, she's politically active. I believe she's a uh, she's a homemaker. I believe, I believe she's kind of like traditional mom. Like I think she homeschools her kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know that for a fact, so I don't know if you want to cut that out. I just don't want to like I don't want to I don't want to you know say something that might not sure. be true. But no, but from so, what I I don't know a lot about her personally. Right. I just know so about you, you didn't stuff. you didn't really know the other two people like super well. Not not super good. I knew Madison a little bit because I had, uh, after the last two A events I did before this past, you know, Friday's event, um, I reached out to the medical freedom people who are, you know, working. They're not anti, I hate the word anti-vaxxer. Uh, I just feel like anti-vaxxer or climate denier. They're all like, they're all like made for stigma. And, and it's, what, they're, what, the, what medical freedom is, is like, okay, vaccine may be beneficial, but if somebody doesn't want to take it, you cannot force them to. There's this balance between safety and freedom that has to be maintained, I think, in order for us to live, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a world that's worth living in. We could be really safe and live in North Korea and, or, or in an authoritarian country that, you know, takes care of everything. And then we just do what we're told. Um, there, but with freedom comes these risks. 
uh, I don't know. I, I just went off on a tangent, but yeah, that's how I met her was through the medical freedom group. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, what, I mean, I guess this is an obvious question, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Like, what did you guys hope to achieve from, uh, from the rally? Uh, just to put pressure on, to, to make it known that a lot of people are being hurt and that maybe the cure is worse than the disease. Um, and I've done a lot of going over the numbers and stuff and I feel like flattening the curve is a glorified, I mean, I, I could go into all this. I feel like flattening flatten the curve is a glorified political slogan and it's, it's garbage science because it's, it's hypothesis in, hypothesis out. You, you were right. Nobody knows what's going on. And so we've seen them estimate, uh, you know, these really high numbers, which they've done with Zika and Ebola and all these sure. other viruses. And it always turns out the same way that their estimate is far, far lower or the, the, the reality is far, far lower than the estimate. So if they knew that was going to happen, they could just say, OK, lock everybody in their house. And then we'll just say, oh, like, we're the heroes now because the numbers are going down. Well, the numbers are going to go down regardless. So it's, 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 it's hypothesis in, hypothesis out. Well, I think, I think that they, the big issue with the coronavirus, at least as far as I, I can gather from all the literature I've read about it, is not so much that it kills so many people. It's, and you know, the, at the highest, the highest it's, it's like 3%. And, 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 you know, they've well, said. We have hospitals that are deserted. Right. Um. Well, well, that's the thing is I think a lot of the concern is that it's so infectious. It's so easy to spread. And what they're afraid of happening is a large portion of the population getting infected in it with it and then swarming hospitals. And then... Well, and that's the thing. There's hospitals furloughing patients. They're shutting down floors. Nurses are right. being laid off. Yes. Nurses making uh, videos of them dancing and choreographed dancing, which if you've ever choreographed anything, it doesn't take a bit of time. Sure. Um, I mean, I think it, 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 that's... We, we've had things shut down. We've yeah. had military hospitals shut down without taking anybody. So I think a, a lot of that is, I mean, proof that there's not as many people getting it as they had initially thought that we're going to get it. Um and uh, I mean, I don't know how many of those nurses who are dancing, which I think is not the best idea, not the best use of their time for sure. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of those are from areas that locked down and um, and didn't have that bad. I'd like to see how many of those people were were in New York, which you know, thankfully, isn't nearly as bad. Um, I, here's a, I, I think that. It's, it's bad, and I think that we are having a good reaction to it, but there's a balancing act between taking it seriously and also taking the economic situation seriously with people you know, who could potentially lose their jobs. Um, yeah, and, so I'm, and the thing that really worries me is the supply line breaking down. Sure, absolutely. And, uh, and the agriculture, be, because agriculture is so, like big ag is, so, uh, so embedded in that they're so intertwined with government like that. They actually pay people to plow fields under, and now they're 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 the government is is literally telling people to dump milk, plow this stuff under because there's restaurants aren't open, all this stuff. They have to move 
the food. So if they stop doing it, it's going to make it's going to make the problem worse because there will be scarcity. It's like it seems like forced austerity. It seems a lot. <laughs> and I hate to say this, and it's, it's complete conspiracy theorist, but it's a lot like Mao's Great Leap. If anybody's ever, you know, read about that, where he literally forced agriculture workers into this into the to doing these industrial jobs and these other jobs that they weren't skilled and weren't qualified and it wasn't what they knew how to do. Um, and, and it's the central control thing that I just feel like it's going to lead to more problems in the long run. Um, and I think there's a, you know, there's also, there's also herd immunity. There's also the fact that if you constantly wash your hands and stay inside, your immune system is not going to interact with pathogens or bacteria and it's going to lower. Um, I, I think it's bad for, for, for people to be coming out and saying vitamin C, there's no proof, FDA proof that vitamin C helps your immune system. Well, I mean, there's, plenty of evidence that it's good for you. I mean, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't harm you. It doesn't cure it. It doesn't cure coronavirus, but it definitely couldn't hurt your immune system to be boosted um, in this time. And I I think there's a lot of things being, you know, not addressed and not properly expressed. Sure. So I think one of the most valid criticisms of the whole uh, thing, or at least um, I think I guess what would you say to people who say who say by inviting a bunch of people from around the state to the most highly infected county in the state to have a 6000 person protest isn't going to make them shut us down even longer. I I think that's a very authoritarian idea because then it's essentially saying the government's our daddy. And if we don't do what the government wants, then they're just going to keep us in our room longer. Well, no, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that you I shouldn't think, stand up to authoritarian I, people, but no, I, I, I get, I get it. Like, I, I get like that they're thinking it's going to cause the infection to be worse, but we haven't seen the things that they're saying that we should be seeing. We are told this is super infectious. We're told all these things. Um, and then hydro, you know, and then we do have an anecdotally and, and, pro- and promise and, you know, a, a successful and promising treatment with hydroxychloroquine. They tried to shut that down. Like people don't know what to believe. And it's like, what, one thing that we do absolutely know with a hundred percent certainty is that government does not relinquish power easily. Yeah. So if we give that power to the government, it will not be relinquished in a very simple way. We, I don't want to see uh, things being talked about in pre-coronavirus times, just like we were talking about pre or pre and post 9/11, or pre—I don't want to see a pre and post coronavirus where we have this—and they pushed it before this new normal, this new normal of what living life. Well, and to be fair, fear. to be fair, I don't think that I think we will probably have a post-coronavirus world. And this is a whole other thing we can get into. I don't think it's necessarily going to be quarantines left and right but i do think it will be some type of like the biological data collection program um for people Uh, i mean if you really want to get into that the one thing that worries me more than anything is that people compare america to south korea and they say that we should go after south korea's model well the unfortunate thing about the reason why they were so successful is because they have one camera per one person in Korea, pretty much in South Korea. Yeah. So they were able what do you to, think about Sweden? what do I think about Sweden? I think it's, 
interesting. I'm glad that they're doing it on a small scale so that it's just Sweden. Um, I, I be interested to see how it works out for them. Um, I am not a hundred percent sure how it's going to go. I, I I'm worried. Well, I, I need to What's that? Go ahead. Well, my, my worry, Sorry. my worry with the whole thing is, is the hospitals getting swamped. And I think that if the hospitals aren't getting swamped right now and, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that's affecting every country on the world, in the world, and it's, well, we have a lot of, yeah. And I'm not saying it's not. And what scares me more is that, okay, so if these other hospitals that nobody's coming in, because there's literally people staying at home and not going to the hospital and dying of an appendix burst. Or, sure. or, you know, things that they really need to get taken care of. And then these, these, these hospitals are furloughing people. And so then any, whenever that the we, we do come up, say we all stayed in our house, when we finally do come out, these hospitals have furloughed doctors. People are coming out with their immune systems compromised because they've essentially been washing their hands constantly, not building up their immune system. They're in isolation. They come out, they interact with anything. And then that will, will cause this outburst of not just coronavirus, but of any and all uh, uh, illnesses. And so we're going to have this, uh, I feel like this uptick of, of hospitals being overrun because the, essentially they've been, they've been having no patients and all of a sudden a bunch of patients. And they don't have the time to adapt and, you know, rehire on the, the crew or, or reset up, you know, a hospital floor that's been shut down or, or unfurlough certain doctors. You know what I mean? If, if, if so, it seems like the longer we do this, or or you know, even if we, we never protest, we never did anything, we just stayed in our house. Whenever we're let out again, I feel like it's going to be this explosion that's going to make things just as bad. And I also don't think civil unrest or the breakdown of the supply line or or people's you know food stamp cards running out are are, are manageable or reasonable situations. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's going to be money running short at some point. It, it just you can't pump a shut economy with cheap money. It's definitely a pretty dire situation that I think everyone is incredibly concerned about. Um, and I, I do think a lot of the issue is that there we do live in the day and age that we live in, where there are no more. There are just personal facts for people who just kind mm-hmm. of believe what they want to believe. And you can find 500 websites that back that up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it it's, we'd live it. And the thing is, is that I, I think this is very similar to the Spanish flu in 1917. The only difference is that we've already been, or humanity has gone through the Spanish flu of 1917. So, and we survived. And well, we survived, but we have also learned lessons from that whole thing. Um, they did not do any social distancing whatsoever, and they did not. Uh, I mean, they they acted like it wasn't even real, and they say that more people died during that than World War Two and World War One combined. They just kind of acted like it wasn't a thing to worry about. But they did. And I don't think they actually had a treatment for it either. No, no. I mean, no. they told everyone it was the regular flu. Yeah. So I think that this is going to be an example of a time where something 
horrible happened. And thankfully, because of the experience of our, our mistakes in the past, they'll have made changes and there will be far fewer deaths as a result of that than what could have been. Uh, but I don't know, man, people are even afraid with the, with it having multiple waves. Um, and you know, I'm afraid on both ends of the government control as a result of that, as well as the, the large amount of people who could potentially die as a result of it too. Like, during the Spanish I mean, flu, the vast majority of people didn't even die until the second wave. And we don't know. So for me, it falls into, it falls into this, well, I could die from a virus. And I mean, that, that could be true at, at any point in time in my life, you know, before this. I could die from a, a serious virus like Ebola or Zika. Or, or now this one seems more just, and there are parts of the country that seem like it's being really hard hit. There's others that aren't. And then there's these arguments where they're showing that things are being mislabeled and whatnot. That's a whole different argument. I don't want to get into that. But I might die from coronavirus. I will die from not getting food. I will be hurt and harmed from societal breakdown. I will be hurt and harmed from civil unrest. I will be hurt and harmed from uh, hyperinflation or hyper def- or, or, or really bad deflation or uh, these, these really other bad things. I think that if if you're scared, stay home, and if you're not, go out. I, I think that's the most basic, and I think that's the American approach because I think eventually that's probably where we'll get to. I, I think uh, that's probably where we'll get to at some point. Um, it, I, I, I don't want to say that I hope that's where we get to, but I mean, if it comes down to it, where this thing just keeps coming back. Um, there's definitely going to be a chance where people, you know, and pe- more people are dying from going hungry than are dying from the hospitals. There's going to be a breaking point for people for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I think it's still too early to, to be pushing that kind of stuff. I think we're a few more months before we should really be pushing for, uh, you know, an end to the quarantine by force. Um, or, I mean, I'm not saying protest is by force. I mean, I get, I get your point and I, and I understand it. I just can't agree with it. Sure. Uh, I, and that's, I mean, and that's sometimes where we fall and that's okay. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's okay. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, I will, I do have one criticism of that, of something that I actually wanted to bring up to you. And, uh, this is, I heard that you had a gun with you. When you On my hip? Yeah, when you were yeah. out. Yeah. So, well, that's, I mean, I go, I go out of the house every day like that. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I'm in a place that's kind of hostile to me. Right. So No, I understand I, I just, that on some level. I just wear it for personal protection. Sure. And this is just coming from someone who I also own a gun. Um, and my thing is, I think in a situation like that and like wherever it's something like a second amendment rally, I totally get that. I don't have any issue with that. Understand that hundred percent. But when it's something like, I guess in that type of situation where you were going there, who Mm -hmm. did you feel you needed to protect yourself from? I don't know. I mean, I never know. I mean, especially when you're in a crowd, you don't, there might be people there that want, 
that disagree so much that they may want to harm the person who helped organize it or, or other people within the crowd. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you never know. I mean, that's the part of, that's the kind of my thing is that I take my safety as my responsibility. Sure. Like I don't see, like I see the cops as an afterthought because once you're the victim of a crime, that is, the cops are just there to, to pick up the pieces afterwards. They're not going to actually be able to make it better. You know, they can't guarantee that the person will be caught. They can't guarantee a, a lot of things. And they can never restore your your, your um, feeling uh, of, you know, how you felt before you were ever the victim of a crime. So those things are are kind of just the facts of life. And so I see it as like a, a, a I think I don't even think about it anymore. I just kind of see it as a second nature to wear a firearm. And, and I know there were others there that, that did their stuff. And I think America has to. I think that I think the biggest thing that we should we need to take away from this is like the people that are wearing guns and stuff they don't trust the government, and then there's people on the other side of the aisle that wouldn't wear guns but they don't trust the government, and then there's people in the middle and they don't trust the government. My only fear so all, is that all we can take away from this is that we don't trust the government. Sure, that the government has shown itself to be untrustworthy. My only fear and, is and that, that we need to address that. You show up to the Capitol and with a gun. And you start um, demanding that they end their their order. It's almost mm-hmm. like acting. It's almost like you're you're asking them for an authoritarian lockdown. It's almost like you're saying there's an issue here that needs to be fixed. And the only way the government usually reacts to those kinds of situations is with a with an iron fist. Like, but is that my issue or is that the government's issue? Well, I think it's an issue that needs to be considered. When I, I think that shows that if you know that to be true as, as, as government response and government is at best forced, mm-hmm. they use force in, in anything, even uh, down to enforcing a, a fine. Because if you don't pay the fine, then they will take your money or, you know, there will be some consequence or you will be you know, visited by men with guns who will take you to a cage and lock you there. Um, government's, government's response is always force. And that is, I think, the biggest point that we want to get across is that we will not, we will not accept the government using excessive force on the people to lock them down in their homes if they want to engage in lawful and, and voluntary commerce. Sure. And, I, and I, that's where the Second Amendment, I think, comes in, because the Second Amendment balances the force of the people against the force of the government. And if we don't have that force, then essentially liberty, if the, if the people have too much force, then we'll have anarchy. If the government has too much force, then we'll have tyranny. So I think it's that, that I think government and, and maintaining freedom is this balance that regardless of situation, uh, that balance must be maintained. That's just my feeling. Sure. And one of the things, too, that I've sort of thought about is, you know, I... I understand the idea of freedom of religion, and I understand that churches are upset about the current restrictions on gatherings. Um, But, like, why can't we—and the thing is, is this is under the assumption that the quarantine is a limited thing. Like, it's something that is not going to last. I think the vast majority of people agree that that's what's going to happen. They're eventually going to lift the quarantine. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that a little bit of some of the reaction from the churches are uh, a bit 
of an overreaction. Um, I would have loved to hear that there were churches that, um, like, instead of having, you know, Sunday church with everybody, they would organize each, uh, you know, split the church up into groups and organize Bible studies within a home. They're they're getting fined for even that. Like, there was one in, uh, I think think it was Mississippi, I mean, I don't know. It was, it was a southern well, state. I'm more interested yeah, in Wisconsin. In the parking lot, they had everybody in their cars. Everybody was separated. Um, everybody was then ticketed and 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 fined. And and I I just I don't know. You know, uh, I don't. I'm not saying that there hasn't been a negative reaction to it in places in the country. I just mm. mean as like in Wisconsin, I wish there was some type of like, hey, why don't they just have a you know will separate into Bible study groups and 10 people will meet at this person's house. These 10 people will meet at this person's house. And it, it's not a, and that's the thing. I think they're being denied even oh, the, the ability to that. I know people who have had, I think there was a, well, you don't have to ask time. the government permission to do that. You just go and do it. Well, that's the thing now, it's, but, but that's the thing they're, they're, they're telling you on TV, um, you know, it used to be the saying that snitches got stitches, but now we're going to reward snitches. Um, and that's the same thing that the Stasi said. That was in, I mean, yeah. I've, I've had the police called on me for saying that, like, in the beginning of this, I said that Peaceable Assembly, on my Facebook page, that Peaceable Assembly was a constitutional and, and, and inherent right, and somebody called the police on me. Sure. Well, I, I mean, think, there are people out To be fair, I think that the po- police in Wisconsin, have, for the most part, have been pretty... Like, I haven't read about anyone in Wisconsin getting arrested for having their kids. Uh, I've read about it all over the the rest of the country and other smaller, but like... There was a lady in Oshkosh that, uh, she was arrested, or no, it was, no, uh, there was a, a lady in, she wasn't arrested though, she was uh, in Oshkosh, I believe, and I might be wrong about this, who, uh, her kid went over to play at a neighbor's house, and the police were called, and... They pretty much, gave, you know, told her that she's a bad mom and that, you know, she shouldn't be sending her kids over to places. And if she continues to, to send her kids to another person's house, that she's going to get, you know, ticketed or fined or punished in some way. Sure. Uh, there was, and you know and what I don't, I don't think is that. fair about that stuff is that it's a lot of the the dumbest police officers getting the most coverage. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like true. when police true, true. handle the situation the totally most appropriate way, we never hear about those people because like nothing happened and it was totally fine. And that's all. Yeah. But but we live and, in an age where like you get to hear about everything that happens and everyone only wants to hear about the the dumbest people who who overstep their bounds. Well, and I think the thing is that the the, the people that do the cops that do dumb things they need to be corrected. And, and it's, and I, I think I don't know this for a fact, but I think people think that, you know, if they spotlight the ignorance that the ignorance will stop because then cops will be like, okay, we don't want people making us look bad or whatever. And so the cops that are acting ignorant will be chastised by their own fellow officer and say, you know, don't act like a dick. Um, excuse my language, but yeah. I get it. I just, I just can't. I can never side with government authority or being given, or having the government give the authority, uh, the kind of authority to lock people in their houses down. And I think the way that Tony Evers did this is, is very sus 
to that. In he what said way? He wouldn't lock down. He wouldn't lock down. He wouldn't lock down. And then right the, the day, you know, the night before St. Patrick's Day or something, he locks down and all those restaurants that prepared all that for their biggest night of the well, season. Well, you have to understand certain, that was like zero hour. That. that was like zero hour. Because do you know what happened in China is everyone knew about this. They were reporting it. And then China said, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And then they had the Chinese New Year. And the whole thing exploded. Like, it went but crazy. He, but if he knew that, then he should have never said, oh, we're not going to lock down. We're not going to lock down. He should have not led people to believe that they should prep for this, this biggest day of the year. And then... Short-sighted. Sure, it's short-sighted. But I think in the long run... Uh, in order to reduce the number of people who are infected, that was like the last possible day he could have picked because if everyone went out that night, we would have been a much worse situation than we currently are. I, I mean, that's the argument. Yeah. I, yeah, I just can't. I mean, that's a, I just don't think that fear or the possibility of dying from a virus that's out there is, is justification for... Um, the powers that the governor has exercised. I just, and that's just me. I just can't do it. Sure. I, I'd rather have, you know, uh, uh, unsafe freedom or, you know, an unsafe uh, liberty than a safe authoritarianism or a safe slavery. I, I mean, yeah, I might die. I might get hit by a train. I might get shot by somebody. I might get a virus. I might get cancer. I might you know, get all sorts of things. And, and this coronavirus heightens that. But at the core level, I think that the stay-at-home order is like telling people to go hide under their beds until it gets better. Um, it's not going to get better, even if we hide in our homes forever. Whenever we, you know, well, hide in our homes for years, that we're I... never going to, we're going to come out. It's going to be there. It's still going to be there. The virus is not going to go away. Sure. Well, I think it's fair to say that it's more about them trying to, to slow the spread of uh, a, a novel virus that's never existed in human for humanity. So we don't have any type of immunity for it. So instead of allowing millions of people to die from it, they're just going to say, well, let's try this social distancing thing that we've never tried before. I think it's a massive experiment. Um, and, that's, and I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess I, I would rather them video. like do some type of, if I had to pick, you know, if you knew there was a global pandemic and millions of people were going to die and they were like, well, listen, we can try this social distancing thing or we can do required vaccines. I'd be like, I'll take the social distancing thing. Like I, I think, yeah, but I think they're going to try to do both. I think they're going to be because, if, if you do social distancing, I mean, in social distancing, for the most part, people are fine. It's the stay-at-home thing. It's the shut-your-business thing. It's the plow your crops under, dump your milk, or kill out your, cull your herds, or all these far, like, it's what seemed to be, or what appeared to be forced austerity measures. It's the, the combination of nobody knowing what's going on, the numbers being completely off and, and seeming inflated. It's a legitimate doctors re reporting things and then being shut down by YouTube. Um, saying that, you know, the numbers are being inflated. People are being, you know, there's a, a financial incentive for uh, COVID, um, COVID uh, diagnosis. They're using a test that by the uh, maker of the test's own words says it's not for diagnostic purposes, cannot diagnose anything. All you can find is the presence of an RNA. And that RNA is coronavirus RNA. So that means any coronavirus. 
from cold on up. So it, it's not a very, it's bad testing, bad numbers, um, nobody knowing what go, what's going on and nobody trusts the government. I, 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 and I think that's the biggest thing why people are going to, are saying, you know, I'm losing everything because of this and nobody can give me a straight answer. And I don't trust any of the people that are giving me the answer because I've continuously been able to find that they're wrong or censoring people or, or censoring information that my trust is completely gone on them. So I cannot, I cannot, you know, sacrifice my kid's future, my future, the country's future for something that has continuously been wrong from the get-go. And, and I get that there's a, you know, we got what we got the information we got from China and that is what it is. And, and however the virus came about, that is, you know, I think that deserves investigation. But right now I think, uh, I think the measures are, are just, it's just, it's just not going to work. People aren't going to accept it. Um, and, and it doesn't, and I don't think that's a, a partisan thing. I think there's people that are accepting it, but they're only going to accept it for, for, you know, a certain number. Like you said, everybody's assuming that this will end. So, uh, it, but it seems like constantly extended. If they, if they had any, I mean, it's, it's like we, people, a lot of people are fearful that it's never going to end, that it's going to continuously be a power grab. And I don't blame them because the government's untrustworthy. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't, I, I just can't, I mean, I see people losing everything and I see them losing their lives and it's like, okay, well, Andrea Palm and all that, they're practicing bad science. It, it's not good science. They, they, they act like the immune system is this flimsy thing that, that's never encountered a virus before. Yes, we've encountered, we've encountered bad viruses and people die, but that's, it, it, that's life. I mean, we can't stop life. It, that's, I don't think that's a reasonable, rational thing to ask people to do. You know, I think that what this whole thing is 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 just a, a radically different way of dealing with a virus than we've ever done before. Um, yeah. I, I think that in the past, it's definitely been about trying to produce cures as fast as possible or to um, to create vaccines as fast as possible, but this whole quarantine lockdown has kind of been an experiment on trying something a little bit different to deal with a mass scale virus. Uh, I don't know if we've actually, I mean, they've never dealt with anything like this within minor your lifetime. Um, you're only like what, like 20, you're no. like 20, 24. No, I'm 32. Oh, you're 32. I'm 33. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I agree. But the, and the, the I mean, did you hear about, like, the Indian lab that was like, okay, we've looked at this virus. It has parts welded onto it, and then China pressured them into retracting it. They didn't, re they didn't say that it was inaccurate. They just retracted the paper. Yeah, I don't really like trying to decipher much of that stuff just because I don't really know that much about viruses. Like, I'm... Mm -hmm pretty layman about that sort of stuff i i mean i understand that they exist i believe in them um but uh, yeah if i'm just trying to like personally decipher some type of information like that i just don't think i'm uh qualified to make those kind of judgments myself uh or even try and make that for somebody else 
Um, yeah. just because I don't have any, any education on that. I, you know, I've done a, a minute amount of research myself, but not nearly enough for me to feel confident in, uh, telling people that I know exactly what any of but that I stuff think it means. Be I oh mean, yeah. By like, yeah. By professionals who know what they're talking about. Yeah, but that's it. And that's to say, I hate that. I hate that plea to authority thing where people are like, well, if they wear, they, they sat through enough classes to get a prefix or a suffix or they got a white lab coat, then it, we just have to, you know, bend to their will because they're the doctors and we're just stupid people, laymen. Well, but also um, there I think are people can understand. I, I can think, learn. I think people can understand things that are complex if they try. The knowledge is out there. I think there's a common misconception that, uh, you have to be a doctor to understand health. I don't think that's true. I think if you read enough, if you understand the way the body works, if you understand common sense and, and, and what you're seeing and what you're observing is not matching up with what these doctors are saying, then we can't just plead to their authority and say, okay, we're going to hand over all the authority well, to the men with the right Sure, but if what the authorities are saying is that if we social distance, we won't have a bunch of cases, and then it turns but out there, we don't have a lot of cases... Well, no, if they say that we're going to social distance, there won't be a bunch of cases. And then the result is that there's not enough people in their furloughing hospitals and, and there's not a lot of cases, then you would assume that what they're deducing was correct, right? I would not because they've, if we've looked, we have to look at the past. They have consistently been wrong with predictions about these viruses. They start high and they know that their predictions usually go lower. And from what they've, from what, I mean. Well, they say there's a, there's a saying. I think that they knew that they could claim that they were the victors, that social distance was working regardless because they knew that the numbers were not going to be as big. They just didn't know how, how much less they were going to be. But either way, they knew that, um, you know. I mean, isn't anyone who makes a prediction that ends up being seeming right going to say that? That they're they're going to be like, I triumphed, I guessed right. When they get when they guess to guess, and it seems to have. I mean, been... but that's the thing. It's still an edu- an educated guess is still a guess. Sure. And a guess is not enough for me to shut down my livelihood. I mean, I'm not going to make that call for anybody else. If people want to stay in their house and and obey all the other stuff, that's fine. And if I die like a jackass, that's my that's my bad. The thing is, I just think it needs to come down to personal choice, and I think that the American approach should have been completely opposite the Chinese approach. Yeah. Um, and that's just where I fall on it. I got to get going though, brother. Sure. No problem. Yeah. We act, we actually went over an hour. I really appreciate it. Uh, cool. Yeah, no problem. Well, thanks Tom. Have, have a good rest of your day. Hey, I appreciate it, Mark. Have yeah. a good one. Yep. Bye.